This podcast is produced and copyrighted by 83 Bar Incorporated. It is designed as a general informational resource, and neither the sponsors nor guests are rendering any professional or medical advice. The opinions and claims presented by the guests are their own. Any trademarks used are the property of their respective owners. Welcome to The Patient Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey. Featuring interviews with healthcare leaders, patient advocates, medical providers, and researchers. Here's your host, best-selling author, Mark Stinson. Hello again, friends and colleagues, and welcome back to our podcast, The Patients Speak, where we're combining the business and science innovation of healthcare with the patient's voice and how we can help accelerate their journey from diagnosis to wellness. I'm so happy today to have as my guest, Yolanda Brunson Sarabo. She's a multiple myeloma patient herself and an author, blogger, and patient advocate. Yolanda, so happy to be talking today. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure. You're just doing so much good work on behalf of patients and support, and yet you still have time to run a business, work with families <laughs> of all kinds, including your own. What is it that you feel from a life journey standpoint that we need to hear the most from patients like you? Oh, it's funny because I think a lot of us know that life is short. So that's the model of how I live and move forward. I know that it's short. I know that there's hiccups along the way. And it's very important that I try to do as much that I can do while I'm here. So that's how I look at it. That's a great point of view. So you authored a piece called Another Face of Multiple Myeloma. It's a reflection of your journey, but it probably also reflects a lot of other patients' journeys. What inspired you to write this? I was inspired, again, because of my own story. And I know that when it comes to multiple myeloma, it's hugely affected by Black people. I'm another face. I'm Black. <laughs> and I just felt that it was important to share my story, especially in the beginning, because I didn't really know if I'd be here in another 10 years or so. So the idea came probably a year after I was diagnosed to make a go and start documenting my story and progress and all of that. So again, it's the multiple myeloma is twice as affected with people of color, Black to be specific, who die from this, if not caught early enough. So the book is my perspective on my journey. And despite these rather daunting potential outcomes, you, you've made it a point to maintain a hopefulness and an optimism and a sort of upbeat attitude. What, how is it that you're able to maintain that? And how do you share that with others? Oh, man, I don't even know. Sometimes I think it's the God in me because I really don't know where I get the energy to to do some of the things that I put my hand in. And sometimes I agree to things that should I really be doing that? But <laughs> again, it's important because part of the journey and this may lead into some other questions you may ask oh, during this interview, 
is it's important to be vocal. And anyone that knows me knows I hate public speaking, okay? However, being part of this patient leader experience, I have to be vocal. So to just share that with other patients who don't want to be perhaps in this spotlight as a patient advocate or a patient leader to at least be vocal with your doctors. That's so important. We definitely want to touch on that. But I got to tell you, as someone looking from the outside in to watch your work, I would never know that you quote unquote fear public speaking because you are very vocal and out there. You write, you speak. I know you have featured on your own podcast and interviews with doctors. So when you're talking with physicians, and I think about the providers who may be listening to this show and want to tune in better to what their patients are thinking and feeling, what insights would you have from your experience on speaking up to your doctor? So many layers. I think depending on who the patient is, sometimes there's this pedestal that we have with doctors and patients. And a lot of time, patients do not want to step on any feet in terms of asking questions or acting as if they know better than a doctor. And that's not even the point. The point is, if you're diagnosed with whatever chronic condition that you have, it's a team. So this is what I share with when I do my speaking, whatever is it is a team you can't just sit and listen that okay you have this horrible disease okay and you have to do x y and z somewhere after you get over the shock of it all there has to be some type of questions and you cannot just let it go in your head you have to be vocal to ask what does treatment entail how bad is this what stage am I, especially the stage, because sometimes the conversations can go and you don't even know if you're stage one, stage two, stage three. You just don't know. You just hear, oh, you have to start treatment right away. So it's those simple questions that are not simple. They're very important. And to let, you know, just to know that there is this partnership between you and your healthcare provider. I listened to one of your interviews with a doctor where you asked the question, how do you even know if the side effect is severe or just a nuisance? And even the doctor was surprised by that question. That's wow, I never thought about how to explain that before. Is that an example of many questions that the patient might have for their doctor? that they might think, I can't really ask that. That would be a silly question. But it's not silly at all, is it? It isn't. Not at all. Like it's the small details. And I think when we're talking about any type of chronic condition, it's the details of everything, whether your hair falling out, whether you're losing weight or gaining weight or your toes tingle is those little things where you have some patients who feel that, oh, it's very minute. I won't bring it up because the doctor will think I'm silly, what have you. You're not silly at all. Again, this is being vocal. And sometimes you may feel, for those who are vocal like me, you may feel that you are a pain in the butt. But it's fine. Also it your is, life. 
<laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? What are you waiting for to ask these very important questions? Just go for it. And we also sometimes overlook the emotional side, the true quality of life questions. And we interviewed one doctor who was talking about how to ex express more empathy to the patient. How do you find in that sort of physician-patient encounter the time and the ability to express the true emotional impact on your sometimes i think it depends on how long you've been dealing with the doctor it's really not a simple question to some degree because it does depend on how long you've been with the doctor and just i guess your comfort level just as i mentioned being vocal if you are having a conversation with your doctor and they're not really replying or they're not showing that type of empathy that kind of comes into play of perhaps getting a second opinion what are the pros and cons if this is a good doctor do you want to rock the boat as seeking other care it's like a whole mixture of what to do but to do something not just be in still waters thinking that this empathy will appear and it just may not some doctors just don't have it in them to show that side, but they may be very good doctors. So it, it depends. What is it that you want? Do you want that empathetic doctor, which I think we all do, or do you want that doctor who is going to help get your cancer, your disease maintained, even mm -hmm. though they may be a jerk? <laughs> <laughs> so it depends. They have a job to do as well. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> We'll continue Mark's interview with today's guest in just a moment. Our sponsor, 83Bar, offers proven patient recruitment solutions for medical product launches and clinical trials. The team at 83Bar can help you achieve better patient outcomes, find client success stories and market reports, along with resources like videos and publications, all on their website, 83bar.com. Think about your role as a patient advocate, Yolanda, and imagining the conversations maybe in the boardrooms of pharma and biotech companies or with patient advocates from those companies. What is it that you're trying to really express to the healthcare companies and what they need to know in developing programs, et cetera, for patients? Oh, wow. I've been very fortunate to sit on a few steering committees and so forth, advisory boards and all of that for patient leaders. And I would have to say, it's just listening. However, it's good to listen. But sometimes I feel that it has to be a grassroots effort as well. You really have to get out there in the community with a team or what have you and just get out there and to really listen what it is people feel, what patients truly, what they think. And I think when pharma or whoever makes an extra effort to do that, they'll be surprised. They'll get some of the answers that they seek because I think they they do seek hearing from this huge forum of patients. However, they probably can't get to them as how they like to get to them because of HIPAA or whatever, red tape and all of that. However, dipping your feet going into the communities, especially if we are talking about the Black experience, is a winner. It's a winner. 
And there's so many other things from my perspective that I think could be happening. And it's not huge things that you have to do. Like I said, the whole grassroots of getting out there in a community and maybe doing surveys, walking up to people. What do you have? You ever heard of multiple myeloma? Like you'd be surprised because in my whole time of this whole multiple myeloma diagnosis, I've had people hit me up through social media, that they've had people who've unfortunately passed away from the disease and we don't hear about it but we hear about it, if that makes sense. Sure. So you're here well, to drill down on this one because I have been a part or facilitated some of these patient advocacy and leadership groups you're talking about. And so you're saying, look, it's fine to be in the conference room. It's fine to be in the hotel meeting room. We've had a great time sharing our experiences. But now we go home. Give us an example of what we could do. Let's say that we take you up on this idea of we've got to get into the community. How quite logistically could you see that happening? It's funny because I had a meeting a few months ago and I brought up this similar conversation. And I don't know, again, if they were listening. Again, this whole experience is about being vocal and it's about listening. You have these patient leaders telling you something and you don't take that opportunity to listen and to see that spark, then you just, you blew it. So one example that I gave was using billboards. We have all of this foolishness, at least in New York, I'm going by, because that's where I was born in New York. So there were billboards and still is billboards all over the place. So you would have cigarette ads. I think everybody was familiar, certain neighborhoods, you would have all of that foolishness up there. But Things simple as that, okay, where one example that I gave, if anybody takes my little idea and runs with it, but just say, have you heard about multiple myeloma? That's it. <laughs> That's all you have to do. And then as people are walking to the train or wherever they're going, they're like, okay, mom has that or my brother has that. It brings up a conversation. However, not just put the billboard there. Maybe you put the resource where people can now go to the website or what have you, but now have people taking surveys as they're going to work, as they're going to school. Okay, you saw this billboard. Do you know about multiple myeloma? Just be getting out there. People will talk. When I'm from New York, we can be a little, we have a little thing about <laughs> us of being a little brat. Yes, yes. But we're very... But you're also going to get the truth. You'll get the truth. You're going to get the truth. You really <laughs> yeah. are. You mm -hmm. really are. <laughs> I love that. My guest is Yolanda Brunson-Sarabo. She's a multiple myeloma patient and a patient advocate. Well, Yolanda, the sponsors of this podcast, 83 Bar, are also interested in how to gain more awareness and more participation in clinical trials. And your experience in the group and network that you work with, what is the interest and feelings about being part of clinical studies for new treatments, new medications, and research on the disease? This I'll say, if people don't know about it, then they're not going to the idea. I think when I was diagnosed, there were like so many different 
types of information that was thrown my way by me researching to get that information. However, a lot of people, including myself, until I was diagnosed, didn't know about clinical trials. And even, excuse me, and even the information that I got during that time about clinical trials, it really wasn't expressed and explained what is a clinical trial. So you hear the term, but you don't really know what that entails. And you don't really realize as a Black person how important your voice is in this space. Yeah, so so important to know. Yolanda, I wanted to talk about your personal and your business side. You're more than just your condition, of course. You've got a great company and a boutique uh, fitness service called Chronic Fitness. How does that fit into your world? And gosh knows, how do you find time (laughs) to run a business like this? It's tough. (laughs) That's all I'll say. It's tough. The reason that the idea of this business came up about when I had a five-year watch and wait, five-year watch and wait, which was great. Like I tell everyone, I was never in a rush to start treatment off the bat. (laughs) So it's okay. But then it got to the point where I had to begin treatment literally five years later. I was always fit, very petite young lady. I wanted to continue going to the gym. I wasn't like a pro athlete or anything to that level. Just something that makes you feel good. You do 20, 30 minutes. Okay. Then you go back to work or what have you. And then after when I started treatment, I then started seeking trainers. So I said, okay, I never really wanted to spend dollars before. I was like, oh, I'll do my own thing. But okay, now that I'm in treatment, let me find someone who can relate to what I'm trying to do and keep me safe because of lytic lesions or whatever things that I may have going on. I don't want to be in a gym and then get hurt. And I couldn't find that trainer, even though I explained, okay, Do you have expertise here? And I get it. Not everybody's going to have expertise on certain things, but I just felt like this isn't a fit. And then it just came to me. Why not do my own business as a trainer for people specifically like me who want to work out? And that's not everybody, because again, I always say, That's why I have an assessment. So let's go over exactly what you have going on. Do you have doctor's clearance to even be working out? But just someone who is in treatment, active treatment or post-treatment who wants to be healthy. Because even though we have these diseases, that doesn't mean we stop eating healthy. It doesn't mean we don't be mobile. You still have to, it's still a thing. It's just now you have this disease like on the back of your neck as to living a healthy life. Yeah. So that's where chronic fitness was birthed. Well, it's wonderful. And my compliments on the business and all the best with it. Yolanda, what a great conversation. I love the advice that you've shared with the companies on listening better. But I also want to turn back to the patient's point of view here. Not everybody can be the public speaker and blogger and interviewer that you are, but we can all elevate our... What insights from your experience would you have for other patients like you 
on raising their voice, on getting out there, whether it's one-on-one with their doctor, better communication with their family, sharing their stories with maybe support groups and whatever. What else could patients do to be more vocal about their feelings and their experiences? Um, Like I said, everyone isn't that public speaker or it's so many different personalities. You really can't batch everybody all together. But I would say if it's something where you maybe write down questions that you may have, if it's to start there, write down, okay, I don't know what asymptomatic myeloma, I don't understand what is that, the doctor said it. If it's something for you just to write down the term and then take a breather, come back, go to your, when you have your next appointment, maybe again, be vocal what is asymptomatic again, or use the nurses. Sometimes I've found that the nurses have been better guides to explaining certain parts of the disease better than the doctors. So just use those people who are there on your health team to your benefit. If that's not working, then maybe do a little Google search, but don't get too crazy with the Google and just find things that make sense or don't. And again, it's a continual inquiry. You're going to be asking a whole lot of questions until you get comfortable with what is happening and then move from there. Very helpful. My guest has been Yolanda Brunson Sarabo. Yolanda, where's the best place we can connect with you and continue to follow your work? Oh, wow. So my website is www.anotherfaceofmyeloma, multiple myeloma. I hope I'm getting that right. <laughs> and my Instagram page is myelomachick, C-H-I-C-K. And where else? Like you said, I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah, you definitely are. And on the Patient Palfo page as yes. well. So yes. I'll put all those in the show notes so Thank people you. can reference those. Such a great conversation. Leave, leave us with one thought, Yolanda. And that is, again, if you had a chance to just talk one-on-one with maybe it's a provider, maybe it's a clinical researcher, somebody doing the clinical trials, what would you say we need to hear the most from patients like you? I want to say that we're out we're out here <laughs> and that is a variety of us and we just need them to find us. Very good. We'll keep looking because we need to connect with more people like you. You're doing great work. Thanks for being with us, Yolanda. Thank you for having me. And listeners, come back again next time. We'll continue these conversations with healthcare leaders from the companies, from the health systems, and from patient advocacy groups on what we need to listen when the patients speak. For now, I'm Mark Stinson, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to The Patients Speak, healthcare innovations accelerating the patient journey with Mark Stinson, presented by 83Bar. Supporting well informed, confident, and decision ready healthcare consumers. Learn more about their patient activation platform at 83bar.com. You can listen to our show on any of your favorite podcast apps. Subscribe now so you won't miss an episode of The Patients Speak. This podcast is produced by BSB Media. We also host another show you might enjoy Unlocking Your World of Creativity. 
It's a top-rated podcast featuring interviews with creators around the world. We help you gain the confidence and connections to launch your creative work out into the world. Look for Unlocking Your World of Creativity on your favorite podcast app.